Hi, Creepsters. I'm Barry Marino. And I'm Philip Landry. And this this is is Open Shutters. Scary ghost, creepy serial killers, all things that go bump in the night. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. <laughs> hey, Philip, what's up tonight? How you doing? Oh, I, you know, I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling slightly mischievous. I wish I had a little yeah. more. I wish I had some edibles or something. You heard the ping <laughs> in the back. I, you know who that's from? That's from Shaughnessy from okay. uh, Don't Look Under the Bed. <laughs> Let's see what she has to say. We have to put this right on the air. She says, I thought we're recording Zach and Abby. We'll be up tonight. She said, so Stokes, we're supposed to record today, but I had some horrible. Oh, yeah, she's sick right now. And we're recording and releasing tomorrow. Love y'all. Have a good sesh. Can't wait to hear it. Honey, you're going to oh, hear it soon. Love it. No. Love it. Oh, so what's uh, what you been watching? Oh, we've been watching all kinds of different uh, things. But one of the things I actually told you about, you just started watching it, was this um, docuseries. The uh, CNN had created like those decade series, but they yeah. created a special yeah, so called The them. Movies. Yeah. And they go through all the different eras of the movies. Yes, I started that this week. I did, All I saw, God, is the Golden Age, which is like from the silent era all the way up to the 50s. And without giving, I, don't really, I really don't want to give any like spoilers. I'm totally on how it is. I just really, if you enjoy the movies, if you really want to know how movies fit into the time in which they were made, and then the culture they were made in America, it was, it's really See, worth. I, actually, it was alive in time. <laughs> well, I'm old enough to have seen them <laughs> change. I can remember when they didn't curse in the movies. I remember when they started doing it. My mom used to be so shocked. You know what? You remember the, uh, okay. When I was a kid, I was about 11. We went, my, we used to go to drive-in all the time. Yes, I'm really that old. Okay. And my mom took us to see The Graduate. And she didn't know what it was about anything. And she went oh, on. When we, we, she saw that movie, she was so shocked that she took her babies to see such a dirty movie. Because, you know, it was about the older woman seducing her friend's <laughs> son, you know. Oh, Lord. And it was, it was supposed, what, what passes for nudity. Well, I've watched that movie recently. It was really supposed to be hot stuff back then. You know, there is nothing in that movie that you wouldn't see on Days of Our Lives in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> it is so mild. That is true. I mean, I don't. It, it would get a. P, I don't even think it would get a PG thirteen. <laughs> it might just be PG. Yeah, it would just get a PG now. <laughs> and I suppose that nude scene doesn't show anything. And then when you find out the facts behind it, Anne Bancroft, who plays the older woman, is only like a few years older than Dustin Hoffman, who's the college graduate. Oh, I know. You know, I mean, they actually in real life were extremely age appropriate, but they kind of. Met, he was short, you know, and he still looked young. He was like about 31. She was about 36. You know, it was like five years difference. And he, um, and she was made to look old. You know, they had the, the way they dressed her and with the streak in the hair, like the middle-aged matrons in the 60s, you know, the suburban 60s woman with a cigarette and 
She had that voice, you know, like Kathleen Turner had. Well, they definitely mentioned that. That was mentioned in the series. So, y'all, go check out the series called The Movies. And if you have HBO Max, I know it's on that platform. Yes, it's on HBO Max. So, what what else have you been watching? I started watching Alan versus Pharaoh. I started watching Alan versus Pharaoh. What did we say to call Siri to come on my damn phone? Like, did Spirit do something uh, weird? Oh, Siri, yeah, Siri. <laughs> nah, not nah, even worry about it. You know, our podcasts are human beings sitting down talking, and little things like that happen. If y'all hear any noises in the background, that's because we got our, our lovely, lovely, wonderful Roz and some other folks working on the kit. Oh, yeah, there being some butchers, some bakers, and, oh, definitely they, some candle makers. Fixing up our <laughs> candle factory. How do you like that? But it's anyway, a regular little sweatshop back there. Uh, getting back to what I was saying, my, uh, uh, what I started watching is a new HBO documentary called Alan vs. Pharaoh. And what it's about is, do you remember some years back when, Willie, when Mia Farrow found pictures of her adopted daughter naked, or I said, she said raunchy, Pictures of her adopted daughter, and it turned out Woody Allen was having an affair. Oh, with I haven't girl. got to watch that yet. So you, you, I, I, watched you I saw it on the part. banner, but I hadn't and watched it. I never realized the girl was twenty-one. Wow. Okay. I thought she was still like sixteen or seventeen when this huh. was going on. And um, the thing I'm thinking is, is that Mia was so outraged about this. But what about herself back in the '60s when she was eighteen and married a fifty-something-year-old Frank Sinatra? <laughs> You know, I mean, maybe there's a little bit of what goes around, comes around stuff. Okay, now you talk about watching stuff. I don't necessarily watch it, but what I do at night for me and the cat, he always likes a little TV on and so do I. Mm -hmm. My latest thing, usually I used to use, but put like nature shows on. Yeah. But lately I've been putting on going to sleep with musicals. So one night I went with to bed with Chicago on. The next night it was Into the Woods. The other night it was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, you know, so I'm going to sleep with all these musicals lately. I don't know what that's about. Well, I used to go to sleep. You know what I used to do? This was before I lived with somebody that has to have everything in the dark and quiet like a tomb. I used to go to sleep. I used to put, you know, the you know the audio commentaries on the DVDs, and I used to oh have them loose. Oh wow! And okay. some of my favorite one. I even had my favorite commentators, and I used to like people like. Uh, well, one of them was Janine Basinger, who was actually in that, is interviewed in that movie thing. You know, the older woman with the gray hair. Her, she has this great commentary, and she was so, but her voice was just calming enough to get you to sleep. And she did like the Jezebel Betty, Betty Avis movie, and she did um, the, uh, the It, the Calarabao silent film. Well, you, you, my that. usual go-to, I don't know why I'm hooked on musicals, but my usual go-to is listening to David Attenborough on those nature shows. His British voice is so soothing to go to bed to. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but I just, I, I hope there's a protective circle around David Attenborough because we need him to put out more nature things so I can continue to hear his voice. Now, when I had my three cats, Lucy, Izzy, and Mr. Fred, for some strange reason, I would put Turner Classic movies on. If there was a black and, and white they loved movie, it. They yeah. loved black and white movies. You could sit there, they would sit there and hour, for hours staring at the screen playing a black and white movie. I don't know if it's just a certain way the black and white looks to a cat 
that attracts them. It might, them. with the eyesight, it might, it might. You know, with, with the way they see, if it's a certain thing. But they would be mesmerized almost. It was a, it was better than catnip. They love the television, though. They really do, these animals. They love the television. Yeah, they, and, they lo- and they would sit there. I would leave it on when I go to work, and when I come back, they were still in the same position, sitting there staring at that black, those black and white movies. There you go. Oh, wow. Anyway, um, what what news you got for us? Well, any, let's see. We, we uh, any obits at all? Anybody yeah, died? Yeah. I know it's been a, you said it was a dry no, week really on death. Dry for death. We had, <laughs> yeah, you had to dig them up out of, and both of them are not really. People you had to put a call in the death notes. just to see if there was anybody that did. Die. I was even, you know, when Prince, when, when Tiger Woods had his accent, I said, "Oh, come on, come on, I'm waiting." <laughs> And then Prince Philip goes in the hospital. I'm like, oh, come on. And, and, oh, my God. You damn it. Why can't you cooperate? You were wishing these people did. Well, like, you know, now I figured that it was starting. Like, you know, I don't have a big enough death. Let me see. Oh, so anyway, this is what we got this week. We got two. And they kind of, they, they have kind of things that might go, might go with our podcast. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover them. This is Harry Bring, who was an executive producer of CBS's Criminal Minds. And his death was announced in a Facebook post by his son, Brad Brain. Brad Brain. Brad Brain. That's, that yeah, like? that's a little alliterative. That's a bit much. There was one of them on one of the podcasts. Uh, the, there's a, a serial killer and he had a girlfriend named Cindy Hindi. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> We're actually going to cover that. We're going to talk about Cindy Hindi some more. Oh, goodness. And he had a long battle with cancer. And he fought cancer for years and he kicked his ass. He was 77. He leaves behind uh, 45 grandchildren. And then... Uh, That's a lot of grandkids, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, so anyway, the next one that we have is... And it's not the person you're thinking of. Her name's Martha Stewart, but it's not the, the cooking woman that wound up in jail. It's an uh, actress from the 40s. And oh, isn't it funny, like Martha Ruth Stewart? The Ma- it, well, they have a, the, the thing here says is Martha Stewart. And Martha Stewart, she was an actress of the 40s and 50s yeah. era, 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 Hollywood hits, including co starring Rose and Daisy Kenyon opposite Joan Crawford, and in a lonely cl- place with Humphrey Bogart. She died February 17th. At the age of 98. She was beautiful. Yeah, look how pretty she was. Yeah. Uh, I did a new part in a movie with all her heavenly friends. This is what her, her, her daughter wrote. She went peacefully surrounded by her family and her cat, Martha Ru- Ruth, a.k.a. Martha Stewart. Ten. Seven. My mom's birthday. But she's uh, ten years older. My mom was born 32. She's born 22. 10732 to 21721. She had a good run. Yeah. And she was born in Kentucky but raised in Brooklyn. And she started her show business career as a big band singer with Glenn Miller and Harry James. Wow, you know, some of these people, after they die, you figure, like, wow, I would love to have talked to that person about what's going on. And she had a singing dancer role in 1945 film. Dollface about a burlesque uh, uh, star played by actress Vivian Blaine, and the film was co-written by none other than Gypsy Rose Lee. Hmm. And then she was in Guys and Dolls on Broadway. So, uh, 
Now, Martha Stewart, the Asher, and uh, some of her TV cra uh, credits to Alfred Hitchcock, Howard, uh, and My Three Sons. Yay. Oh, I'm going to be looking for her while I see movie. Rest in peace, Martha. Rest in peace, Martha. And um, Harry, yeah. And Harry, too. But, yeah, nobody ever really that we really knew that was really, um, you know, of any real note. I mean, what? Good Lord. Prince Philip. Wouldn't that be yeah. a good... You're just, you're just waiting on that one. We may be talking about that one next week. Wow, okay. Oh. Do, do you have any other... Um, and Tiger Woods. Of course, he's young, you know. <laughs> yeah, but Prince Phillips is 100 years old. What's what 100-year-old people do? They die, you know. It's like... I can't, I can't. Hey, do you have any other shout-outs of anybody? Anything? Well, we have a shout-out to... Um, who was it that I say earlier? Um, oh, um, yeah, Joey. Oh, Kelly, yeah, Kelly. Kelly uh, B., uh, one, know, of, one of our very loyal listeners. We really appreciate you listening to our podcast. But she sent a uh, message to us over the Facebook, and she's really, uh, really intrigued, really into the story about that we're going to be doing tonight. Story, about, yeah, and it's, it's a story that's very close to me because I actually knew both of these people involved personally. Oh, and yeah. It seems like I have so many connections with so much creepy stuff, doesn't it? Uh, but anyway, Kelly, you know how I met Kelly. She was on. She she went on a tour that I gave of the cemeteries. Oh, that's nice. And that's why I was working for Voodoo Bone Lady. Remember her? Oh. <laughs> and it was Kelly, her friend Heather, who all, they both became Facebook friends of mine. They they loved my tour. But I'm going to tell you a funny thing that will ha happen, and it's, it's, it's got a little bad language. I was doing a, uh, the presentation of the, you know, the vaults the, that they rent and then clean out. Oh, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In a cemetery. And I used to do little things like I'd say, well, yeah, you know, they could say, um, and they can't say, after a year and a day, they're going to get the remains back. They can't say, well, uh, about Uncle Harry, oh, I never liked the old coots, so I'm not going to pay his rent because they're going to get his remains coming right at their door. But instead of saying old coot, I said old cunt. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going, I, and when I said it, I can't imagine what the look on my face was. Because <laughs> it was, it was uh, Heather, her mother, and Kelly. And I, I was like, oh. <laughs> and she must have, she must have. And they laughed. And, oh, that is great! And, I, I can't, and they, I can't they decided it. they wanted to be my friends, so they they made a uh, they 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 uh, <laughs> they friended me on Facebook, and I've been like communicating with them ever since. That's what I worked with Voodoo Bone Lady for 2014-15, so five six years ago. Six. Well, if I wasn't get if I had if I hadn't made the decision to get cremated and put in like the river off a mountainside, that's what I would want on my tombstone. I never liked this old cunt lies here. <laughs> I would want him to know, I'm a, to recognize. I think, I think the reason why I said that is because I probably had Voodoo Bone Lady on my mind. Ooh, it wouldn't have been the first time she was called by that word. Oh, oh good lord! And then, uh, yeah, of course we have Justin and Sean. Do you want that on your? You want that on your tombstone? No, I want it on Voodoo Bone Lady's tombstone. Oh, okay, <laughs> uh, we had Justin. And Shaughnessy, uh, oh, God, you know, I feel so bad. They were talking about, how they, when they saw we were doing, last week we, we did the the Lonely Hearts Killers, they were planning on doing that because they were doing a show 
one show about sweetheart killers, and they had to change. It. Oh, and they were gonna do, and they were gonna they do were the gonna long, do... on the Valentine's, which was the week that I got the staff. In fact, it all just everything got crazy that week. Yeah, well, that week we were gonna do, we were gonna do that, and. What happened was, is you got staph infection, so we had to cut out the last one we were going to do, which was about the gay man who has his wife killed or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. And uh, we're, we're gonna, but we're going to save that one for a different time. But this, is, this episode here is our last um, in our series. It's called Love yeah. Hurts. When love turns into murder, and we're trying to but use the Nazareth I do song. want to say, if y'all haven't went over and listened to Justin and Shaughnessy's "Don't Look Under the Bed," really check it out. They have some very interesting uh, episodes. I did actually get to listen to their "Sweetheart Killers." Yeah, I, I, yeah I did too. It was I want to listen to their other one that they recorded after that, "The Sea Creatures." I haven't got a chance. Yeah, I haven't got a chance to, to, re- to listen to that because I'm all too. about the sea creatures. And so, and, and this is, I had a little extra time to listen to, to a couple of things. This week, because I was, this is a a, a case that I, that's close to me, and that I know a lot about, and I have a lot of personal stake in. So I know, I didn't have to do a hell of a lot of research. I just had to, you know, refresh my memory on a few things. But anyway, you got some horoscopes, don't you? Oh yeah, we got weekly horoscopes this week. Ah. Actually, uh, they're kind of they're kind of nice and short. I don't know about how nice, really, but they're, they're short. It's this is the they're high. never nice. We got the. This is the haiku edition. I got little haiku poems for every sign this week. Haiku? Yeah. What's that like? Like, like artsy, five, partsy, little, partsy, partsy. Oh, yeah, a little, like, artsy. Yeah, yeah, little, little, be a little poetic. Fa-fa. I decided the, you sun, got a little fa-fa, huh? the sun's now in Pisces, so got a little time to be a little artistic and, a little and, and, and do some po- poetry here. Well, let's hear that poetry. So we're going to start out with Aries. That's actually Justin. I think Justin and Shaughnessy are both Aries. And Orin, um, who else is there? No, both, uh, um, no, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. Oh, actresses, yeah. Are both, are they both Aries? <laughs> they were both Aries. Uh, yeah, it's Cher and Barbara Streisand, it's both Taurus. Yeah. But this, this goes out to Justin and Shaughnessy, our, 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 our uh, fellow podcasters out there our that we love Our sister pods. Our sister pods. Aries, pummeling with pipes, bruises branding black and blue. Sorrow sits in sand. Oh my goodness! And then you know, if you if you pummel with pipes, you're gonna be black and blue. Come on! And you gonna have sorrow in the sand if you have to be on the beach when somebody's beating you, whatever it is. You never know. You never know. I'm not gonna tell. Okay. <laughs> Taurus. Oh. Darker deals desired, etched by electrocution, voices vandalized. Do you ever smell what an electrocuted bull smells like? It ain't pretty. It's not a barbecue. It's not. No. It's, it's not a brisket. It's not a brisket. <laughs> it's not a brisket. I like brisket. You like brisket? I got you hungry now? No. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> not hungry. Gemini. That, that's Will. That's our Roz. That's our Roz. Okay, what's, what's in store for him? Hooks hewn human hides. Bowels billowing in bowls, orbitals omit. Okay, when I hear the word bowels and bowls in the same sentence, it brings some very, very disturbing images, especially <laughs> concerning Will, since he lives in the same house I do. I don't want bowels and bowls happening. Doesn't <laughs> he live right off from the kitchen anyway? Yeah, and he just bought a big old box of raisin bran. <laughs> 
Not exactly what I was intending, but that's funny. Okay. Cancer, this is you. Oh, this is me. Halls haunted on our skeletons sleepless slumber. Nightmares nestle near. You know, I've been having trouble sleeping, and I've been having some strange dreams when I do fall asleep. <laughs> so you kind of hit it on that. Well, good luck. It looks what like you got another week week to go with that. What did I dream last night? Last night was one of those dreams when I can't remember everything, but I do dream having been going, going into some, on some street, and something was chasing me. Somebody was trying to kill me or something. I, th- there is a lot of weird dreams. Well, actually, just to throw it out there astrologically, Neptune has been in Pisces for a long time now. It's still in Pisces, so that's a lot of weird ass dreams for everybody. Is it? Is it? Um, I noticed some really, really strange energy outside last night, and Lance noticed it too. Did you feel? Did you feel any of that? Not sometimes. Sometimes it's some, see, y'all live in a little different area. I live on. I live on the bridge. Well, we surrounded by cemeteries. And y'all are around the cemeteries, yeah. So yeah. Leo. This is Curtis. This is your uh, other housemate, Curtis. And it's also my other sign since I'm a cuss. Yes. Fangs form for finding. Odors to olfactory. Desanguination. I ain't touching any of that. They, they sound, that, that one I can give away. They, I ain't touching any of that because if I say what's on my mind right now, they're I'll a little be evicted. Why would you be evicted? What are you thinking? I ain't saying. Say it. I'll, I'll, own, I'll own it. Whatever uh, you say. No, you won't. No, you won't. No. Okay. Zip a lock. All right. Well, head on to Virgo. You know any Virgo people? I know Virgo people. My but dad was a Virgo. And my oh, niece, that was your daddy? My niece is a Virgo Libra cusp. She's on the cusp of both, both, of, both of her paternal grandparents. Oh, okay. Well, this goes out to our Virgos. Penetrating probe. Extraterrestrial eyes. Tied tight with terror. How X-Files of you. I know. Mulder, <laughs> there must be a better explanation. <laughs> it's got to be a logical explanation for this. I'll never tell. That's what I loved about the X-Files The DVDs. truth is out there, though. You know what I loved about the X-Files uh, Files DVDs? They had all these different languages you could turn into. And you learn how to say Mulder, there's got to be a better explanation for this. In, like, Japanese and all these different languages. Oh, my. <laughs> Libra. Oh, that's my mom. Yeah. I, I love all your stories of your mom. Your oh. mom. We got to do more about her. Well, we could do a whole show about her, but she's not really creepy. So, you know, she's a badass, but she's not creepy. Well, maybe she dealt with creepy. She did. Yeah, yeah, she did. All right. So, Libra. Creepy calls. Crawling. Bisou. Not at all benign. Soul severing sight. Oh, I have no words for that. None. There you go. <laughs> Scorpio. That's the that's, that's me and my people. I'm oh, there. This is you. I'm there. It's a little. It's getting a little better for us, but it's still strange. Apparitions. Air. Murky mirrors. A mired mind. Collect cadavers. Mm, who this is? You? Scorpios. How many cadavers you got? I'm, I'm still, still still working on it. I got about two so far. Mm, is one of them your man? No. Too bad. <laughs> I, don't, 
I think he's kidding. got. A, oh no, no! It, I just figured he's got enough to deal with. Especially if he, my man's a Sagittarius, so I'm about to read what's going to go down. Oh, with let's, them. See what, let's see what's happening. I'm about to say what's about to happen to them. Yeah. Embody evil. Silence slithers with secrets. Point of possession. Oh, he's possessed. Oh, they will be. <laughs> Is he gonna like like twist his head around and everything? It's totally fine. As long as he doesn't eat the good old pea soup, we'll be all right. <laughs> you know, I have a great pea soup recipe. He loves making pea soup too. He's I got hate that. <laughs> I hate that it's associated with that. Pea soup's delicious. I mean, I oh well. Capricorn. Oh, oh, Capricorn. I was say Capricorn. Oh, you know who that is? Yes, yes. yes that's actually one of our. That's one of our little little, little keyblades back yeah, in the one back. One of our workers <laughs> are getting, up, getting our kitchen, our factory ready. Our factory back there. Yep, he's back there. Well, this goes out to him. Murderous moments, teeth tearing into torso, violence vying. I. I maybe spend the night elsewhere tonight. <laughs> You're not feeling very safe? No. In the bed with him? No. You're scared? I am scared. Oh. Okay. No, no, really, I'm not. I don't really feel that sorry for you. You lie, <laughs> you lie in your bed. You make your bed. You lie in it. Okay, that's yeah. enough. Seriously, literally all of it. Okay? Oh. Aquarius. Awake with anger. Patiently pouring poison, lurking little lies. This is Aquarius. I don't know anybody who's Aquarius. Uh, you do sort of. Who? I don't know if I see it on the air. Don't Oh, yeah. Well, I have not heard much from him. Mr. Sexy. Was like, when? Mr. Sexy, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I guess he moved on to another. Oh, okay. With all his locks and curls. All his locks and curls. All right. That's all we'll say. We ain't giving no names no, out. No, no, no. We, 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 don't, we, we keep some privacy around him. It might. <laughs> we keep well, at least get me in trouble, too. Yeah, I don't want to get him in trouble, and I'm trying to keep his secrets for him. Right. I, w- I want to be on this podcast. I don't want to end up dead in the ditch okay <laughs> for giving yeah, out i was secrets. wondering if i was going to be the death and you were going to have to do the podcast by yourself <laughs> really i'd be calling it we channel your spirit we couldn't bring you down it'll all work out yeah kicking and screaming talking about channeling spirits and stuff we've arrived at pisces yes it is y'all season it is pisces season i don't know if it's an open season but it is pisces season it's a season of pisces yes Theremin, the thoughts. Concilium cues confined. We weeping whispers. We weeping whispers. We, like like, 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 like children. We. we fish whispering. We is this a Pisces, a fish? Yeah. Mm. The little fishies. All right, that's pretty. That's just pretty. So that was our nice little... Poetic haiku, haiku horoscopes for the week. That was pretty cool. So hopefully y'all have a little more poetry in your own lives. Yes. Now this is the last uh, installment of our series, Love Hurts When Love Turns Into Murder. And I'm still pissed 
that they wouldn't let me use the Nazareth song as a theme song this week. Um, oh, yes. So we're going to go now to our commercial. Well, we heard it earlier, but you're going to hear it again. The commercial for our Candle and Craft Company. And we'll be back we'll with be our right story. back with our story. All right, we're back. Well, um, this, uh, it, like I said, this is the last installment in our Love Hurts series. And this one is the one that really kind of hurts because it's kind of near and dear to my heart. And it's one, it's a, it's the people involved, the people that I actually knew. Uh, this is going to be the story of uh, Zachary Bowen and Adrian Addy Hall. And uh, we're gonna, I'm just going to start with uh, October 17, 2006 at 8.30 p.m. The New Orleans police received a disturbing call from the Omni Royalines Hotel. There was a man's body on the roof. When they got there and they saw the, the, you know, the man's mangled body, it was clear that he had died on impact. So they didn't know who he was, whether it was a murder, suicide, or what. So they checked his pockets for ID. They found this note, and it read, This is not accidental. I had to take my own life to pay for the one I took. If you send a patrolman to 826 North Rampart, you will find the dismembered corpse of my girlfriend, Abby, in the oven, on the stove, and in the fridge. I'm getting chills reading this. Along with full documentation on the both of us, and a full signed confession from myself, Zach Bowen. So they go there, and sure enough, it was he wasn't um, he wasn't lying. He, uh, first of all, the, the apartment was really cold. Well, before you get into more, I gotta mention, I was actually working a block and a half away from the Omni Royal Hotel. Oh my God! I was shop. So the night that happened. It was kind of weird because we got off like in the evening around then, and I was actually walking down Royal Street, oh. and literally I saw like there was like ambulance, police car, whatever going on. There was all kind of stuff going on. Uh, so oh. we actually walked on the opposite of the Omni Royal. Like sometimes I would walk right along where that is, but I would definitely have to get on that other side. But you were on that the Royal Street side, where yeah. Because the, uh, the parking garage is on the Charter Street side. Yeah, on the Charter Street side. Now, I wish it yeah. worked on Charter Street. But I'd always get on Royal, and I'd always like to take Royal because I'd walk all the way. I was living in the Marigny, and I'd walk all the way down. And I had to actually pass the night that he had actually um, jumped off. I actually kind of vaguely remember that now, that night. But I still have a few little memories of like the flashing lights and the yeah. walking around. Didn't it- know the full story at that time. But I do remember that was weird. In the summer. You see, when it happened, I was living in New Jersey, so it didn't impact me. And I learned about it after I came back a year later. Now, um, getting back to what the police said, to the story, uh, the police arrived at the apartment. And even though it was a warm night, because, you know, it gets, it's still warm in October here. Oh, yeah. The house was freezing cold. You know, he had the air conditioner set on 60, and the walls were spray painted with with messages of regret and pain, such as, I'm a failure, I loved her, and then it was a, uh, the phone number of his wife, call call my wife, Lana, at this phone number, wow. and tell her what happened. And uh, and then there was one message that directed mm-hmm. them to the stove, and then in the pot, on one of the burners, there was a human head, which was Addie's head, burned beyond recognition, and in another pet were her hands and feet, 
Inside the oven, a long roasting pan were arms and legs. And the investigators noticed that there appeared to be seasoning on the limbs. I don't understand the reason for that. And on a counter next to the stove were cut up potatoes and carrots. In the refrigerator, there was a large plastic bag, and they found her torso. And they would find even more disturbing evidence in Addie's journal. Now, before we get to that and what happened, let's give a little background on the two of them. So, Zach was born in 1978. And uh, he, I forget how many children his, his family had. But he was pretty much an average kid. He was kind of sweet, kind of goofy, really nice. Not a perfect student. And he wound up dropping out of high school. He wasn't really good in school. And his dad mom had already been divorced, and they were, his dad was somewhat of a hippie. He was, um, he, so he and Zach, who had, like, really long hair at the time and played the guitar, was almost kind of trying to be a hippie himself. He, um, they go traveling around the country. Now, um, they wound up in New Orleans. Zach falls in love with the place. And the dad decides he doesn't want to stay here, but Zach wants to stay. And he's only 17 at the time. So he gets a job at Chris Owens, which probably didn't check IDs. And probably did. <laughs> yeah, he was he was selling beer from the window. You know, remember the the, the beer, the, the little beer person from the window with the Chris Owens? They'd be selling the dollar draft. They did sort of doing that on Mardi Gras. And um they started doing that on Mardi Gras, and then they started doing it all year round because the dollar draft would attract the, the kids that they weren't that weren't supposed to be drinking beer. And he met this this young woman who was twenty five years old. Her name was Lana, and she worked at a one of the clubs as a dancer. And they started a relationship. I believe they even may have moved in together, and Lana wound up pregnant. Zach being the kind of guy he was, he decided that he wanted to do the right thing and marry her. So they got married, and it was at their wedding that she found out that Zach was only 17. Hmm. And he may have even been 16 at the time that he got her pregnant, which really could have gotten her in trouble. You know, she could have chopped blocks for that. Now, um, I believe Zach's mom had to come down and sign for him because I don't think it was old, he was old enough to, to get married on his own. So they got married. They had another child. And um, he was having a little trouble. You know, you really can't raise kids. Lana, he didn't want Lana to strip anymore. And she didn't want to anyway. Because, you know, moms don't want to do that. If they don't have to. And he didn't know what he was going to do. He had no education. And you can't, uh, you can't raise children on what you make at Chris Owens Club selling beer which is largely based on tips from customers that probably don't tip a whole lot anyway. So um, they got married. They moved on to West Bank of New Orleans in, in uh, Terrytown. They had another child, and he decided that he was, he was going to join the military, join the Army. And because he would get benefits, like you know, he would have health benefits for, for his children and his wife, and he would, uh, and for himself too, and he may even be able to go and learn a trade or something in the army. Mm -hmm. But they sent him to Iraq. 
and he just was not cut out for combat. He, he there was uh, there were a couple of things happened that really, really um, affected him real badly. There was a little ch there was a child that used to that he used to that he befriended, and he used to give the little child like candy bars, and he was teaching the little boy to speak English. And the little boy wound up getting blown up right in front of him. Mm. And then he also had a good friend who was a female soldier. And she was, she was a good friend of his. And he saw her die in combat also. So that affected him. He, he became down with horrible post-traumatic stress. And his performance started really, really suffering. To the point where they discharged him. And what they gave him was what they call a general discharge under honorable circumstances, which isn't exactly a dishonorable discharge, but it's not a good discharge either. You ever right. heard of that? It's. Uh, I don't know if they do that still, or if that was more of a thing now, because I know they've changed a lot of how well, they, they changed a lot things. actually from this too, from this and from other things as well. Yeah, they've really taken a. I will say, the 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 whole just taking a moment looking at like that decade of the two thousands and a lot of what it went on, especially. In the, in the framework of the wars that went on, the war in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan, and a lot of veterans that came back, they learned a lot more about PTSD. Actually, things that they should have learned from the Vietnam vets. Yeah. You know, uh, but they didn't... Uh, and, and I don't want to be really mean about the government, but, you know, my dad was a Vietnam vet, and yeah. and they did, they did wrong by them. Yeah, they did. They should have learned lessons, and they didn't learn them, and then we get to the 2000s where we have Iraq and Afghanistan going on. And oh, well, then there was the first Gulf War in the 90s. Well, even that one. But, yeah, yeah but but one. but this one was even, yeah, so in, in any war, really. But but it's really exposed how we look at our veterans and the idea of when they come home dealing with PTSD. Well, you know, if you look at, um, at the, the early part of the Depression, a lot of the World War II veterans didn't even have um, they didn't they, they had no benefits at all. They were they were homeless. Some of them were resorting to male prostitution, just to just to eat. That's a, you know, that's how bad it was back then. I guess it gets better with time. But um, getting back to the story, Lana was also having trouble. She was not cut out to be a military wife either. The women really looked down upon her. She was unhappy, too. And she just wanted her husband home. She wanted to go home with her husband. So he wound up getting discharged, and they moved back to New Orleans. They moved back to Gretna. And she noticed a real change in Zach. He, he, it's like his spirit had been broken. Mm. He wasn't... Um, he, he, was, he wasn't playing with the kids. He loved the children. He was a, one of these fathers that just lived for his children before the war. And he was ignoring the children. And then finally he just left. And he went to the quarter and started working in the service industry again as bartender. He delivered uh, food and a bicycle. You said you were working somewhere and he delivered food to Oh, you. yeah. Well, he would actually, what we did, we were actually, I don't, I'm not going to give too much about where he used to work then, but uh, we were working um, at basically a... Um, basic place where we need where we work like a tea shop or whatever and 
they had uh, we would need to get like the dip milks and the creamers yeah. and all that stuff you know the tea and the coffee and everything and he would actually uh, bring that in and the manager at the front uh, she was always working the front we worked actually in the back uh, she would always like receive the things and I mean even I saw him come in a couple of times he just seemed like a really not like a normal hard working regular guy like he really and he was always nice to her always said hello they always had, you know, not, not very long conversations, but he was usually the one that was delivering for Metasis. So, yeah, yeah and, 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 you know, they said that, um, so he, he, she said he came back differently, and then he wound up leaving. And he had, he, he, he got a job bartending, I believe it was at the Spotted Cat on Frenchman Street. Probably, yeah. yeah okay. And he met, he, he got enamored with this female bartender, whose name was Adrian Paul. A.K.A. Addie. And she used to relieve him, and he would stay and talk to her around during her whole shift. And they started, they, they, they had the you know, giggly little romantic thing, and they would leave notes to each other in the register. All real, real cutesy stuff. And they, they, they fell in love. They hmm. fell in love, and they moved in together. I wonder, what, when was this? Around when was this? This was around, this was before Katrina. Oh... I may I may not have recognized who that was, but I I had a friend who used to work as he was a musician in one of the bands. He was a French guy, uh, Pierre, whatever his name. But he uh, basically was in this kind of um, jazz band at the Spotted Cat, and I'm sure probably you probably still didn't recognize, but they were probably there behind the bar. One yeah. of them probably well, mixed look, you a drink. Probably didn't even realize that at that time. And so their their relationship. It was, you know, they, they had a really good relationship in the beginning, and then Hurricane Katrina came. Now, let me give you a little background on Addie, because nobody ever really does that. She comes from North Carolina. She was an artist. She was a poet, and she was a dancer. Very, very talented woman. And she had um, some uh, problems with her family. She had, she had some, some sexual abuse in her childhood and her, her teen years. And she suffered from several different things. Uh, one of the things I've read is that she suffered from bipolar disorder. And I also believe she suffered from borderline personality disorder. Now, you take, though, that his post-traumatic stress. I'm going to have a little gumbo here. This is what I used to say on my tour. I said, you throw in some post-traumatic stress, throw in some bipolar, throw in some cocaine and alcohol, and what do you get? A big old hot mess, right? But sure. Hurricane Katrina came, and they didn't go anywhere. They stayed there in the quarter. The lights were out. They became these darlings of the media. They, uh, I believe Anderson Cooper re uh, interviewed them. Geraldo interviewed them. Brian Williams interviewed them. Oh, they, they, the, the New York Times has a whole, you, you can Google it and find the, the article the New York Times wrote about them. And um, they loved it. They were just basking in it. They would, they would be like they were camping out. They, they would build a fire and cook on the fire. They had all the little cats in the neighborhood. They would feed the cats. The Robert's Food Store that's on St. Claude and Elysian Fields, you know, it's, it's back again now. It had been closed for a while. They would go in there and get whatever they needed, get whatever canned foods or anything they needed. And one time, Addie got attacked in there. She, I, I don't know if she actually got raped. She almost got raped. She also wanted the National Guardsmen to come and check on them, so she used to bare her breasts. She used to flash her boobs. 
Uh, I think that was pretty clever, actually. And they'd always come around so she'd flash them. <laughs> and they loved it. They loved every minute of it. They loved the, 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 um, the attention they were getting. They loved not having to go to work and wake up. They could sleep all day if they wanted. They, they could sleep outside if they wanted. You know, they had, uh, it was like almost like a little community of people who had stayed. But, and I said this in my tour also, eventually the lights come back on, people start moving back, and their fame dwindled. And with their fame, their relationship dwindled too. And they started becoming, I guess, becoming the hot mess they were meant to be, you know? And there were lots of problems. They were always getting into fights. They weren't leaving nice little notes at each other in the bar anymore. They actually weren't. One wasn't allowed when the other one was working. Wow. So they went on with this, you know, like, like all during the, um, the next year. After, you know, the next few months. That summer, this is... Uh, a, I, I, I did this from the book uh, Shake the Devil Off but then I also heard some gossip about it too Zach started a little fling with another guy it was a guy who's a real estate agent and that's known or is this was just kind of no this is known, this is known. Okay. and um, she found out about it and she they were staying at the Melrose on um, you know the Melrose on Esplanade right by Buffalo's there Yes, yes. And she yes, went yes. to the room and was banging on the door and banging on the door. And somebody came out and said that in the relationship, in the gay relationship, Zach was exploring his sexuality and he actually played the bottom role, which pissed her off even more. Because she had really bad anger issues and for months she hadn't been taking her, her, her medicine for her bipolar. So they broke up. They finally broke up over that. But. Later on, you know, they started seeing each other again, and she told him that she loved him, and somehow or another, he'd come in some money for something, I don't know, but she was getting thrown out of the apartment where she was living during the, during the, the you know, during the storm, and uh, she found the apartment she wanted on Rampart Street, which was on top of Princess Miriam's temple. And I know you want to get into that about Princess Miriam, but let me finish the story yeah. first. Um, so she she got the um, you know she got the rent and everything paid, and then they must have gotten into some kind of fight or something because she told the landlord, who I'm not going to mention his name, but she told him that uh, his uh, she was she wants Zach taken off the lease. Oh, okay, yeah, and. I believe he went ahead and did it, even though Zach's money had paid for all that. So he come, he goes over there, and she's throwing him out. He don't know why. They get into their last big row, and he strangles her to death. So he does, you know, he's like, "Oh God!" Post traumatic stress is starts popping in. But what's really creepy is, is that he lived with the body and had sex with it for like a week. Then he wanted to find out how to get rid of it, mm. how to get rid of her. And I guess I don't know if the military trained or what taught him this. And that's when he dismembered her and cooked her in a his his real. I don't know about the seasons. It might have been meant to make her burn faster. 
But he thought he was going to be able to cremate her. And household appliances cannot cremate a human body. You know that. So then he lived there for about a, he lived lived with the body for about a week, dismembered her, and then he went on this big old party. He had some money left. He went on this big old party and jam with strippers and drugs and booze. And then one day he goes to the Omni Royal Orleans and jumps off the building. So, uh, there's a lot of really bad rumors that went with this. You know yeah. some of them. Well, first, before we get into that, I, I kind of did for you real quick. I was, uh, I, I mean, I kind of actually never did this till we just sat down, but you know, I'm yeah. quick with this with my different abilities with uh, astrology and all. I kind of took down the birth dates and I got to look at what their signs are. And I always like to look at both uh, Western and Eastern. I have him sitting uh, May 15th, 1978. He was a Taurus horse, born in the year of the horse. Yeah. The earth horse. And she was January 15th, 1976, which would make her actually, which by being 76 and a Capricorn, which is what she is, she falls with the year before in uh, Eastern astrology, which make her the year of the rabbit, uh, which would have been the year of the wood rabbit. Is it Lance the year of the rabbit? No, no, no. He's monkey. He's monkey. Okay. But anyhow, we have Capricorn and Taurus, which is actually both pretty Earth. And I also love how we got, I got the Bobby one on the 15th of the month. I know that's kind of odd yeah. to month, but both 15th of a month, which kind of puts them kind of in a similar framework of how they think and operate. And both being Earth signs, there's kind of that operation. And um, being that he was kind of the Earth, you know, a year, and she was a wood year there's kind of a lot of where i mean he's kind of that support for her sort of uh to grow and sort of deal and her to to kind of kind of flourish but i will say looking at the numbers and looking at some of the things here it does show there was a soulmate energy it uh, does show there was a connection but also individually it does show i'm seeing by seeing these 15s people born on the 15th of a month a lot of times the act and life of living when it gets tough and hard yeah they could handle it but could it also bog them down so for both of them i see how yeah under i don't really want to say the right circumstances, the, the wrong circumstances to happen could cause things like this to happen and that's not to say oh these signs do that or not but I want—I always like to look because we're looking at love. I want to look at what was the compatibility, what was going on here, maybe ast- astrologically. Yeah. And when we look at that, Katrina was a rooster year, so that really wasn't the easiest year for a person who was a rabbit or horse. And that event happening may have brought them together, but it also—and it may have looked all romantic and nice, but it also may have exposed. Yeah. The real cracks. Right. In the relationship. Uh, well, you know... Um, and, and, and the act of what he did, I'm just looking at this. And, and, and I'm not trying to say, oh my God, all Tauruses are like this, but all Tauruses are Earth signs, so are Capricorns. And I'm feeling, in a sense... With his mental health, what was going on, what he did to the body, and we have to talk about that. It was some idea 
I don't think he intended to per se objectify her, but in a way he did, even though she was his soulmate, his energy. I think there was a level looking at all of that where there was some objectification on his part. And because of maybe the PTSD, what was going on, things didn't happen, and he wanted things. I think he really did love her. It just got so twisted. Do you so think twisted. he might have had some type of delusion thinking that maybe by having sex with her it would make her come back to life or something like that? I think it's the idea of... Because he didn't do the dismemberment until she started to decompose. I think he. I think at some level, as deluded as was, I think there was some weird practicality there. But I, I would say I think he honestly was in love with her. That he got so twisted in his mind that he became haunted. Uh, well, he was. He was very, very much in love with her. He even. He he totally started ignoring his kids. Yeah. And uh, Lana would say Lana even had one time she wanted him to come over for Thanksgiving dinner. And he said, uh, well, no, I want to have Thanksgiving dinner with Addie. And she said, bring Addie along. But Addie yeah. wouldn't go because she didn't we, want to meet the kids or Lana. And we're not here We're not here to say, oh, was their love wrong or was their love right or whatever. But will I say, did, did his love turn to some obsession? Obsession, yes. Yeah. That's without I a doubt. So. All yeah. the cues are, are, are there for that. And... I think he had a lot of hope for their relationship, but I think it turned into a lot of despair. Yeah. And he didn't intend for that to happen. And well, and you and know she as, didn't intend for that to happen. As far as him experimenting with the other guy and everything, that's very, very common in the quarter when they surround the, the gay folks and everything and they have this bohemian kind of spirit which has a lot of, uh, you know, they're not they're not, they're open most of the and time. And I don't. I really, honestly, just looking at what I'm seeing here with her, I don't know if I know they try to paint a bit like Herving song. I don't think the anger might have even been about him having that on the side. I think it was the fact that he didn't maybe let her know enough about it or communicate well enough about it. Yeah, I, she found out about the gossip, I, which always hurts. Yeah, I actually. I don't say know what she would have thought, but just looking at this, I have a feeling. I just have a feeling she may have actually been more open if he was honest from the get-go. Now, getting back to what's happened. After after this happened and everything, I was living in New Jersey at the time. So I didn't, uh, I, I, I really didn't, truly didn't even know about it until I came back. And in two, really didn't find out about it until... 2009 when I started driving the cab because I had some of my own issues going on when I came back from New Jersey and I got the newspaper and it, that's when the, I'm talking about the book that he, written by Ethan Brown called Shake the Devil Off well I ran out and bought that book immediately because I said oh my god that's the guy from Matassa and that's Bobby's friend Annie I was like whoa you know it blew me away and right before that they had, had a uh, um they had had a, a case where a guy who had worked at the uh, quartermaster, he and his girlfriend worked at the quartermaster, she was a cashier, and he worked in the deli. And one, all of a sudden, one day, she was gone. And he said, oh, she went back to wherever she was from. And it turned out he had killed her, and he kept her body in a trunk. Mm. And every time he moved, he would take her, take her with him. And what happened is, is when Hurricane Katrina came and he was forced to evacuate, 
the FEMA people found the body. And this happened like about a year after Zach and Addie. Now, um, I, um, I had, I knew her better than I knew him. I used to know him. He was a guy from Matassas. I would see him in bars every now and then. Now, her, she was friends with a friend of mine named Bobby. Yeah, Bobby was a pretty good friend. I mean, my phone got turned off one time. I was driving the cab. You know how, you know how business gets in the summer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he he and he paid my phone bill. Got my phone turned mm. back on. And he would always buy me lunch and everything like that. He was just just a sweet guy, but he had a little bit of a, of a substance abuse problem. So one night, I you know how nocturnal I am. I am up to like five in the morning, four or five in the morning. And it was about 2.30, maybe 3, and I was on the computer before we had the cell phone, before we had the, the smartphones and the tablets and stuff. And I got a call. It's from Bobby. And I, oh, I, told, I told my late partner, Fred. I said, well, Fred, I just, I really and truly don't feel like going out there right now. He goes, oh, look, Bobby's a good friend. Answer the phone and, and, and help him out with what he needs. So I answered him. He says, he says, I really, I can't get a cab. And I need a cab to take my friend home and take you home. And to take me, come back to the bar and take me home. He says, and I'll take really good care of you. Don't worry. So I said, okay, fine. So I went and I picked up. And a girl happened to be Addie. And she, was, she had been partying, but she was sweet. She sat in the front seat with me. She kissed me when she left and everything. Because I had seen her around before. And she was always really nice to me. And I went back, picked Bobby up, brought him home. So the next evening when I come to work, I picked up one of my regular passengers that also knew Bobby. And he says, oh, did you hear about Bobby? I said, no, what happened to Bobby? He says, he's dead. I said, no, how could he be dead? I just saw him. He said, no, you, um, he, he died this morning on his couch. So actually, he had died like not long him off. I was actually, what's creepy is, is I was actually the last person to see Bobby alive. Oh, wow. And they gave a little, the bar gave a little memorial for him about, about a week later. And I'm there at the bar for the memorial. It's really sad. And I feel somebody hugging me behind me, you know, when somebody grabs you behind. Oh. And I looked and I said, and it was her. It was Addie. And she says, oh, I'm so upset. She says, I miss him so much and everything. And she says, that's the night I, I saw it. That we, you know, we, you and I are the last people to see him alive. I said, yeah, I know. She says, we always have that kind of bond. And... It was just kind of sweet, and she always mm -hmm. liked me. And whenever I'd see her somewhere, she'd say, "You got your cab? I need a ride somewhere." <laughs> and um, so uh, after that, I, you know, like I said, I was going, and I got the newspaper. So I went out and bought the book and read it right away. And I Googled Ethan Brown, the, the author. I knew he lived here, and I looked to see where there was some. Uh, I, I emailed him and told him about you know who I was, and I knew all these people. So he was doing a book, you know, like a book signing and talking about the book. It's a Borders that you was on St. Charles that used oh, to be a God. funeral home. <laughs> I do remember And there's that a woman there, and she's got these two kids that looks like they're driving her crazy. And I told some some uh, doofus fish-eyed fool told me that he thought Addie was still alive, oh. and that they 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 dismembered some other woman. And she, um, and said, and, and you know, and they said it was her. She faked her death, and then she pushed him off and killed him. And she's somewhere sipping pina coladas or something. I said, that is the most stupid thing I ever heard. So many so ridiculous rumors. I've told Ethan about that, and he goes, that's ridiculous. And that woman, she goes, 
Oh, that's the stupidest thing. I've never heard of anything so dumb. Well, you know who this woman wound up being? Her name was Margaret Sanchez. Oh. You know who she is, huh? Yeah. About two years after this, the torso of a young woman floated in Biloxi Beach. And they, the girl was a stripper in a strip club, kind of like Lana had been. Yeah, on Bourbon Street. Yeah, on Bourbon Street. And I think it was, I think it was, it was Rick's Cabaret, if I'm not mistaken. And, of course, you know, when the police investigate things, they look at the security camera, see who she left with. They saw her leaving with this couple. Turned out, the couple were the ones who killed and dismembered this girl. And guess who the woman was? Margaret Sanchez. I just flipped when I heard that. And it's funny, because the same week that happened... Uh, uh, there was a TV show about Zach and Addie, and she was interviewed. Ugh. So, I mean, I know, t- t- I know two people who have had something to do with somebody getting dismembered. Yeah. <sighs> to talk about other rumors and conspiracy theories yeah. and extrapolations and all this well, other stuff. They're always going to have that on. with a case like this, you know? One thing, though, I have seen on some documentaries. And I'm about to denounce it, and I'm very aggravated that I actually saw it, and really shame on those people. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Shame on those people yeah. for even promoting that idea at all. And I really don't care what happens to them, spiritually <laughs> or otherwise, after what I saw them say. Yeah. Well. Let me say a few things. Yes, Zach and Addie lived in an apartment right above or near on the same complex as a as the Voodoo Spiritual Temple yeah, run by Priestess yeah. Miriam. But Voodoo had nothing to do with what happened. Oh, I know that. Anyone that knew Priestess Miriam knows that that woman is full of light and love. All her altars are meant to help the community and help 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 foster those spirits to guide people. And there is no intent from that place or in her heart to cause any or to allow anything to cause that kind of evil. Uh, well in somebody's heart so the fact that somebody tried to connect that and that first off it's a false connection and second off it has no respect for new orleans or respect for the voodoo community and the practitioners that are involved in it i had to say my piece on that because someone tried to present it that way on a documentary and i was appalled was it was this a like a major documentary like from investigation discovery or um it was something that was on was, i'm forgetting what it was i'm, I'm trying, forgetting exactly but it was on i was on amazon prime just looking at it I wasn't saw, just a vo- it wasn't just a youtuber no, it was no, it was a, it was a web like, sleuth. No, it was actually trying to be a legitimate documentary, but it was a weird one. It was just, and I was really upset. And there were other people. There was even people out there in on the internet that believe these things and believe this goes on. Y'all need to understand, voodoo is not some simple thing. Oh my gosh, where people are going around hexing people or things like that. No, it is a legitimate faith, a legitimate religion, and has legitimate spirituality and practices in New Orleans. Well, I have a little story from when I was... And that really hurt. That really hurt for them people to do. So whoever is promoting those ideas out there, shame on you. And shut up. And shut up. Yeah. Now, I have a little story, and and, and it's... um, well, you know, I was I used to do the ghost tours, and that's one of the most popular stories on the ghost tour. And I tried not I'm to sorry, be... sorry, I got a little upset just now. Um, it, that bothered a, me a okay, lot. It's okay, it's okay. I tried not to be too... I, I didn't like being too sensationalist with it. I don't like the, the, some of the stories I heard on some of the ghost tours. It, you know, it, it sensationalized it. They did the voodoo angle like you were talking about. Some of them... Um, 
I think you know, I've got a couple other little things I want to talk about. But I did, I was talking about the case, and there was a man who was staying at the Omni Royal Orleans, and he said, do you have a picture of them? And I said, yeah, I do. And I showed a picture of, it's a picture of them hugging. You know the picture I'm talking about? Yeah. And when he looked at this picture, I swear to God, his face turned white as a ghost. I said, what is, what's wrong? He says, I saw this guy. I said, when? He said, I said, you saw him before this happened? He goes, no, I saw him today. I said, where? He says, he was in the hallway in the hotel where, where I'm staying. I said, what hotel are you staying in? He said, Omni Royal Orleans. I said, oh, shit. He says, yeah. I said, he says, I went up to him. He was crying. His spirit's always probably going to attached there. He says, and I went up to him and I said, hey, buddy, what's wrong? Can I help you? And he kind of blew him away, and I said, and he said, well, fuck you. I'm just trying to help you, you know, and he just walked away. I said, you sure this was the same guy? He said, I'm positive. He's even wearing the same shirt he's wearing in this picture. Mm. And I was like, whoa. Now, I was also working at a tour company, not Voodoo Bone Lady, a different one. Uh, it was called uh, Capital City Trolleys. You remember them? And... Uh, one of the girls that worked there, one of the, you know, the girls that booked the tours and everything, her father's a real estate agent, and one of the properties he handled was the, the place where you know, the murder happened. So he asked the landlord, whose name I wasn't going to mention, he says, you did replace those appliances, huh? He goes, oh, no, she washed off. I found that to be so disgusting and so cynical and so... It, it, it just it made me want to throw up to hear that. It was just oh my God. terrible that anybody would be that cold about something that horrible happened to someone. Well, you know. And, you know, it's just sometimes that's how people are. That's why I don't want to mention his name. You don't mention this guy's name. I know anybody that hears this is going to start harassing him, and I don't want that to happen. I don't want to be responsible. Isn't the Omni Royal actually closed off access to the roof since then because of that? I'm sure I think they, they had made some well, changes. I, I think they put some railings up to where they, they did some get. things and made you some changes. You can't just jump and off. People like can't, I don't think you can just even go up there now. Like I think that. that part of the roof where he jumped, I still think they still have the bar area open, but I think they have either a big fence or a wall. They changed something. I, can't remember. I know you can't go to the area where he jumped off anymore. No, 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 no. And uh, Ethan's book, Shake the Devil Off, I thought it was a really good book, but the problem I had with it is that it was really sympathetic towards Zach, and it almost showed out Addy as a villain. And and, and, and that's that's the thing; these people were both fair. troubled, and it, it's 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 not this thing of like let's blame one person or the other. We have to look at the thing here that the events, the times in which they lived in. And the way you, mental health yeah. there was not much mental health oh, l- let me explain this was 2006 i mean i was having mental health problems you were having men- we were uh, all having mental health problems i'm gonna tell you something in 2006 i'm gonna tell you something i got when i lived in new jersey for that year and a half i didn't have any problems i was i was just one of the people watching it on tv like the rest of the well that's true you were in new jersey i only left i i was here for the storm Got out. Well, I was here for the storm. You were here for the, the storm, too. Yeah. Everything. yeah, yeah. So you were just drank stuff. But, and I came back after I left and I was staying with my folks for like a month. I came back right at the end of, right, right, right for the beginning of October, right at the end of September. I came back. Right when we come back in the city, I was back in. Yeah. And this then was a year later from that. 
that just saying that first year back, which is basically the time frame was that was not easy, and there was not much mental health access. Let well, you me know tell what you. happened when I first came back. I made the mistake of watching that documentary when the levees broke because it came out on on DVD, and I bought the DVD. And I swear to God, when, when they show the scenes of the Superdome, I could still the smells came back. The smell what it smelled like. The the the, the it was it was this like nasty hot. Really, really weather than usual. You know how hot, humid heat New Orleans usually is? This is even worse. And I could smell that. I could smell the sweaty bodies. And when they showed the dead bodies floating in the river, it, it just, I went through a terrible uh, post traumatic stress and a terrible, I got to the point where I was afraid to leave the house. And Fred went back to work at his old job at this little store in Chalmette. And one night, what was I out of? I, I was out of milk or something that I needed to fix something I wanted to eat. And there was a corner store right down the street, which normally, I mean, today, you know, you go out, you walk there, and you get your stuff. I had to push myself out there. And when I was walking down the street, I was frightened. I was looking around, and I was acting really. And now I'm thinking to myself, well, now I know how those people that we stare at and look at and say that they're crazy, now I know how they feel. Yeah. You know, I, luckily I was able to get help, and I'm fine now. Well, and going back to Zach and Addie for a moment, just to, to relate all this, you, they were living their lives, they were doing kind of okay, the storm hit, she kind of ended up in this weird like adrenaline survival mode, mm-hmm. and that's what they were in. And they were probably, enjo- like, honestly, because you've, 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 you know, you've lost some basic re, uh, ability, utilities, and things like this, and you got these news crews coming in. It's some excitement. Yeah. Adrenaline's running. Well, they were stars. You're, you're yeah. in a survival mode. And they were enjoying that. And you're in a survival mode at that point. And so you're running. Everybody doesn't realize, even if you're not feeling good, you're running on an adrenaline high. Everyone was. But then reality sets in. The actual loss sets like in. I said, the, the people who aren't around sets in. The the all of those things come back. I, I mean, and, and whatever you might have been building before the reality. Oh my God, I don't have access to this, or the money's not there for this, or oh, I've had to reorganize that, or you know, just different things had changed for people, and and I'm sure it changed for Zach and Addie in a way that. For many, uh, most people that I knew, their spirits were crushed at some level. Didn't matter their age, a, their sex, their spirit. race, whatever it was. If they were a new, true New Orleanian that went through this experience, they felt it. They felt it. And you know, we also had to deal with a lot of ignorant people who were saying, like, you know, like, well, you, know, you live below sea level, you got what you deserve. And you know where that was happening more than anywhere? It was Baton Rouge in that area. Ponchatoula, places like that. Because when I was Baton Rouge for the first month after the storm, they treated us terrible. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be besmirking. Any of you guys from Baton Rouge, I'm not besmirking y'all. I mean, you got a great city now and everything. But at that time, they, the, the people of that, the, that town were terrible. And they were treating us as though we brought it upon ourselves. Like, we actually made that hurricane come up. That we were coming to their city and, and messing it and, and, you know, ruining their city which, you know, all these people coming in, Walmart started closing early, and you know, fast food places had to close early because they all these people 
And then all these people all of a sudden got this money. And, you know, they were going and they were spending the money so you couldn't get a cab. I was in the food stamp line and there was a woman behind me. I stood eight hours in that food stamp line. And she was complaining that they were giving the New Orleans people instead of people in Baton Rouge the food stamps. And she needed them because she was going to have a high electric bill because her family was there. And you know what I told her? I said, well, you know what, lady? At least you have an electric bill to pay. I don't have a house anymore to pay an electric bill. So when I came back, it was really, really terrible. And I, I had to get my, I had to pull myself out of it. So you you can see where Zach and Eddie probably were dealing with the, the, the especially that first year, the trauma of just living. Well, what you're saying about, you know, that, that they had the adrenaline. Because when I was in New Jersey, I had all this FEMA money. We could go out to eat. We were living with Fred's mom. We didn't have to pay any rent. So it was like you didn't have the, the, the like they didn't have the responsibility. But once the city came back, they had to go back to work. They, you know, they had to work. They had to, the responsibility came back. You know, they, they, they had to pay rent again and all these other things. And that's, I, I experienced it. I can relate with the way they felt. Yeah, and the, in 2006 numbers, things were not back yet. No. So so living and working and things like that, it was it was a struggle. Well, I 2007. See, and it can put a strain on a relationship. 2007, I got a job at the Walmart in Chapatulas. It was one of the few stores that was open, and it wasn't even the whole store that was open. And I was a cashier, and there were lines all the way to the back of the store. If you bought a buy-in ice cream, it was melted before you got to the... Uh, okay, the I'll tell y'all what I was doing at the time, which means I had to deal firsthand with what was going on in it. Before the storm, I was actually working as a tour guide. Business was not there after the storm. Yeah. When I, but, when I, but I got a job because I had been... I got a job as a, a staff psychic, actually. I was a psychic reader. And the people that were coming back we were reading all that like constantly i was reading a lot of people and i just felt for them that were coming back and you know, i was seeing the same scenarios over and over readings you know just hoping mm -hmm. the insurances would come through hoping things would rebuild yeah hoping life would come Not back too much hoping the city we're going through now with the covid and i think it's one reason i think us new orleanians it's a struggle but i think we're handling the covid better than some yeah I mean, you know, it's not great, but we're handling it. Well, you know, at least with the COVID, we still have electricity. We still have entertainment. We, uh, we, we just don't have jobs, and we have to depend on the government for a little while. But it's, you know, and then me, I'm about out to semi-retirement now. So I got my first Social Security check today. <laughs> it's not much, I'm going to tell you. So anyway, um, I don't know if... Um, you know, a lot of mental, this mental illness, and that whole decade, that first decade of the, the 2000s. And that was a hard decade. I mean, it was, was, there was 9-11. It started with 9-11. 9-11, and then the, the wars, the war, and then Katrina. Katrina, and then the economic crisis. And then the economic crisis. And New Orleans really didn't start seeing any change. And then the oil spill. Well, the oil spill actually was at very end, almost into the next decade. Yeah, so. but... But that didn't help. That's also when the Saints won the Super Bowl. Thankfully, that yeah, thankfully when, that. <laughs> that is when the city's still coming back. That's when people start uh, having conventions again. That's when they started, uh, you know, all, all the different little things that we were used to started coming back. And we started actually getting, we didn't really get true mental health 
care being done until like the next decade was when they really started well, the framework the, of things the, being put in the place. The Affordable Care Act. And I think a lot of it, yeah, a lot of it was Affordable Care Act, and a lot of it was also just about people being back to have the framework yeah. to set up stuff. Yeah. So. Um, so you actually had with um, that note, you had actually a number you wanted to share. Yes. Yes. We're gonna share this number for you. We're doing this. I'm gonna also put it in the description too. It's um. Where is it? All right, this is the uh, Veterans Administration Mental Health Services. If you're a veteran and you're suffering with mental health, you can call this our hotline at uh, 1-877-222-8387. And then there's another number, 877-222. Oh, that's the same number, 222. <laughs> Just written smaller. Okay, one eight seven seven two 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 eight three eight seven. And uh, we, uh, we, our next series is going to be about asylums, so we're going to be talking more about mental health. And yeah, so the whole next month is going to be about asylums, and we really, including looking at this, like when we tonight we're looking at this case, but going into the next month, we really want people to look at even in insanity, there is a human level, there is a humanity that has to be recognized. Yeah, you know, and that's and that's really what we're going to exploring over this next month. Yeah, so. Anyway, um, we'll give you our social media. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at, at A Shutters. You can follow us on Instagram at Open Shutters Podcast. And our Facebook page is the official page for Open Shutters, a creepy podcast. If you have any comments or any questions, and we will read the questions on the, on the podcast if you like. Our uh, email address is openshutters at yahoo.com it's all one word open shutters and you know that's shutters with a d in case you <laughs> yeah it's just like our podcast is uh is uh so you have anything to add philip before we go be kind don't don't judge till you know unless you know everything yeah and even if you know everything i think you'll be kinder to people uh, i think after this country survives covid People are going to be a little bit more. I, I think if there was another Katrina, people would be a little more empathetic. It's a, you know, it was almost like people had no empathy. They had gone through, you know, the 80s happened. The me, uh, greed is good, that kind of thing. And I think that a little bit too much of that stuck. So anyway, uh, we will be back next week. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. But don't fall out the window. Thank you. Goodbye, Bye. everybody. Goodbye.